With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast. Have you been listening? Do you know what sport we're actually playing? Whoa, 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 whoa. I was number nine. Don't be putting me down at number 11. Back in the day, I defeated Dwayne The Rock Johnson twice. The Paralympics almost has more power than the Olympics ever will be. Not really a fun kind of guy. Doesn't really like people. Come on, then. Let's get on with the show. Hello, and welcome to the TWS Sports Podcast. I'm joined by hosts of the podcast, Tom and Avatar, today. Hi, boys. How are you? I'm fine, well, how are I'm you? good, thanks. Yeah, very good, thank you. So we've come to the end of season two now of the podcast. So I've brought the boys together just to have a little chat about season two, get their thoughts and feelings on it, what they've enjoyed, maybe their favourite guests, the favourite stories of the podcast. So we're going to take you through the episodes now one by one, and we're going to just take some highlights of our favourite parts of the episode. So back on the 14th of September, we released our first episode of season two, and this was with former Premier League champion Joe Hart. So Joe Hart was a goalkeeper, won the Premier League in Man City, played, I think he's the second most capped England goalkeeper of all time. So he's had a very, very long and successful career. So looking back, it's a long time ago now, Tom, to Joe Hart. Did you enjoy speaking and talking about football with Joe? Yeah, um, I liked how ambitious he, he is. Uh, throughout the years and um, it was it was a very great experience chatting to him yeah he was he he's had a few setbacks recently isn't he over the last sort of few years just made his career maybe quite challenging but he didn't see it that way at all yes he saw it as as opportunities and and he quite enjoyed the challenge and I really enjoyed him talking through that famous game against QPR where they were losing with about two or three minutes to go and then they came back and they won which meant they won the Premier League and here's a little clip from Joe talking about that moment. You played for Manchester City when they won their first ever Premier League. That must have been an amazing atmosphere in the dressing room. Can you tell us a bit about it? The circumstances that it was in made it, you know, I, I really kind of struggled with that to, to comprehend what had gone on. You know, we, we kind of went into it knowing that we won, we'd done it, we'd done what we, we set out to do. And then, you know, I don't think anyone ever imagined it would be, you know, 95, 96 minutes of, of what went on. So a little bit shocked, um, obviously very excited, very, um, very emotional. But, also, you know, we, we'd done what we set out to do. It's just, it was just a great feeling, just, but it, was, it wasn't as straightforward as maybe you'd expect it to be. No, because looking back at that game, like Man City would beat QPR 99 times out of 100 probably. But that yep. game just had went back and forth, back and forth. It had like Joey Barton was sent off, wasn't he? And was it 91 minutes you were still losing? And then Jekka yep. scored in that famous Aguero goal. Um, all I what I remember of that is is Aguero score and then seeing you running around the pitch with your arms out wide in front of yep. the whole Etihad Stadium. And then the camera went to was it Sunderland, where United thought they'd won and then lost. And I don't think a Premier League season ever finish that close again um, 
it must have just been incredible. What was it like in the dressing room and sort of that night? Was it just for the best night that you ever had, I imagine? Yeah, it was. But like I said, it was a little, it was, it was quite hard to take it all in. You know, it, it really was quite hard to take all in. Um, you know, we really had a, a great dressing room at the time. We, we kind of um, got together and, and started to really build something. Uh, Manchester City is, you know, people who tune into football now will just presume it was a, the club that it is, but it wasn't when even even as recently as that. Um, so, you know, loads of really good, humble, close uh, Mancunians who've been through all sorts with that football club, you know, all through the leagues. It was just a real great outpouring of emotion and, and happiness and um, real sense that we'd done something special. Welcome back to the TWS Sports Podcast. We're on to episode two now of season two, which is with former Welsh rugby player Alex Popham. Tom, do you remember talking to Alex and, and do you remember what, he, what sort of things he said? Yeah, well, I remember he talking about his struggles with dementia and how he was chatting to how sometimes the risks of um, dementia in rugby. Yeah, so he talked a lot about his playing career, but also since retiring, he's been diagnosed with dementia. And he's done a lot of work with the rugby authorities and the, and the health organisations to improve and educate people and make rugby a safer game. Here is a clip from episode two with Alex Popham. So in April 2020, you were diagnosed with early onset dementia. What sort of things, Alex, maybe prompted you to seek support or prompted you to maybe get a diagnosis? Um, there was just different symptoms I was suffering with, but I was putting it down to stress with work and, and things like that and trying to push it back. So uh, short-term memory, concentration, mixing my words up, forgetting the words with certain things, um, losing my temper over something that wouldn't really bother me before. Um, and my wife was, for a couple of months before going to the doctors, was trying to get me to go. And I was like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then I got lost on a bike ride. Uh, and it's a loop I, I've done many times. And came back from that and spoke to Mel, my wife, and was like, that, that really scared me. And then the following day went to my GPs and, and that's where the, the testing started. Um, you and your wife have recently set up a charity, Head for Change. Can you tell us a little bit about that charity? Um, so Head for Change is a foundation that supports players and their families because when I had the diagnosis, there was nothing out there for a 40-year-old um, on how to tell children, your children, that dad's got dementia um, and any other support. So that's where the, the idea came from. And then we got put in contact with a wonderful woman called Judith Gates whose husband, Bill Gates, um, played for Middlesbrough, um, has got the same um, condition as me. And we partnered with football to be able to, um, there's three key areas. Um, so support, care and support for families and, and the players, uh, education. And I say education, 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 because that for me is the, the most important thing. From grassroots all the way up to the senior game, and that's everybody involved in it, from coaches, referees, parents, everybody to, to take this seriously. Welcome back to the TWS Sports Podcast. We're on to episode three now. 
Episode three was with Australian batsman Marnus Labuschagne, who is currently playing in the Ashes and doing very well out in Australia. So looking back on episode three, Tom, did you enjoy chatting to the Australian cricketer? Yeah, I enjoyed chatting him, to him a lot. And uh, I also liked that he, um, when he was talking about the Ashes overall and his career. Yes, so the Ashes are, are currently happening right now and he's currently doing very well. I think he, he scored 100 a few weeks ago, won the first the first Ashes test and the second test is currently happening. So fingers crossed for England. Um, I don't think, I can't see us being Australia, sadly. Here's a short clip of Marnas chatting to TWS Sports Podcast. Um, no, look, I, th- I think I'd be up there with one of the most irritating cricketers um, to play against. As well. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I think, um, I mean, people that usually get on your nerves have to be out there for long enough. So they're the batters that, um, that are good or, or, or um, you know, the bowlers that get, get in the contest. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, um I certainly think someone like Dave Warner uh, would be very frustrating, you know, with his loud calling and and sort of presence at the crease would be very um, frustrating to bowl to, especially when he gets going. Is that what? Because watching you play, you um you have a very exaggerated forward defence, a very exaggerated leave. Is that? Did you do that on purpose, just to be a bit annoying to the bowler, maybe? Or was that just your technique? Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, there's definitely elements of that. I'm trying to get under the bowler's skin and, and stuff like that. It's- Welcome back to the TWS Sports Podcast. We're on to episode four now. And after this is when you joined us yeah. um, on the podcast with Tom. And this episode is with former rugby league player and actor, Keith Mason. Yeah. Do you remember that podcast? After on what you enjoyed most about it? Uh, my George um, is Keith Mason, his career, and then he talked about his life um, family. He's the more, he talked about his, um, his uh, partner, and then he's got like something like, Poorly, something like that. Yes, he talked very open and honestly about his family and his wife and also his career and his acting career. Um, here's a short episode of Keith chatting about his career. And it was just surreal because back then, you know, I was still a boy. I, f- I still felt like a kid. And uh, to be playing against these big, big, big men was something that I'll never forget. So you never forget your debut. And then obviously, you know, I just kicked on from there. And within 12 months, I ended up going to Australia. So I kind of progressed quite quick as a, as a, as a youngster. Uh, I made my debut for Wales at 18. And I got the phone call the night before. So I didn't, I didn't even train with the team. I went down to Wrexham. Uh, I remember going into the changing rooms and Kieran Cunningham were there. It was somebody who I had on my wall on the poster, someone I looked up to. And I remember him being in the toilet being sick, but I didn't realise it was Kieran. And Kieran came out the toilet and he's wiping his mouth. And I think, well, this guy's one of my idols and he's he's more nervous than me. Welcome back to the TWS Sports Podcast. And episode five was with David Lloyd, a.k.a. Bumble. Tom, do you remember that episode, especially when we were singing? Yeah, I have fond memories of of Lloyd um, in the episode, not only the Sweet Caroline segment, but also... Um, all the, like, the banter they had throughout his cricket career. Yeah, Bumble was, um, I think he's one of my favourite guests we've had on the podcast. He was very funny. Yes, we sang Sweet Caroline with him, which was which was an experience, wasn't it? Um, here's a little clip of our episode with, with David Lloyd. Well, I, I got in trouble in Zimbabwe for being noisy. 
for, for being <laughs> that north. And I, I was a bit plain speaking. I said exactly what I thought. And it offended one or two people, which that that actually mortified me. I thought, well, why are they getting... What 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 have I said that's upset them? I, I I wouldn't be upset by that at all. But it did upset some people. It was good copy in the media. They thought that was marvellous that you know the media can follow up a story and make it run for quite some time. But um, all I was doing was being northern. I just said exactly what I thought. And like now, right now, I, I don't give any thought to it at all. I'm, <laughs> Don't be upset by a northern bloke. Welcome back to the TWS Sports Podcast. In episode six of the podcast was a slightly different one. We were joined by Lee Cockrell, who was the former vice president of Walt Disney World. Tom, that was with you, that podcast. Did you enjoy chatting about Disney World? Yeah, I enjoyed chatting to him about it. And I remember him mentioning that during um, his time there, he, he... he had to have a translator because he didn't learn much fluent French. Yes, yeah, so he was involved when he first joined Disney in opening Disneyland Paris. So yeah, he mentioned that when he went, it was very difficult for him and his team because of the language barrier and the changing culture. And then after he opened Paris, he went on to work and become vice president at Walt Disney World in Florida. Here's a little segment of that chat with Lee. What, what have you seen over the, your time at Disney? Um, have you ever seen a time where maybe a cast member has gone above and beyond or um, to enhance a guest's experience? What's kind of the best bit of, of magic you've seen given to a guest? Oh, I think that happens every day and we don't even know about it because we allow them to do that. You know, anything from you coming up and you're in the dining room and you, you, the waitress here overhears you say you lost your phone charger. She'll probably go to the store and get you one and bring it to your room. Um, uh, some child has a problem, you know, they get their clothes wet or something. They'll give you a coupon to go get a free dress from the shop. They'll, if you lose something, uh, Disney, oh, you know, you lose your uh, autograph book or your hat or something you just bought, we'll give you another one. Uh, I mean, um, yeah, we just, uh, the cast members are trained to take care of the guest and make them happy. You know, and uh, we give them the authority to do that. They don't have to go get a manager. They can. Uh, we had one guy after 9-11, uh, we had a fireman at Disney and there were no rental cars left. There was no way to get back to New York. And he was from New York. And because uh, all the flights were canceled, everything during that period. And one of our bellmen told the guy he could take his car, drive it to New York and pick it up later. You know, wow. Can you imagine? It's incredible. Amazing. Yeah, these kind of things. I hear about them all the time because there's they happen all day long and we don't even really know that it's happening. So, Welcome back to the TWS Sports Podcast. And we're now on episode seven with former Premier League referee Mark Halsey. So Mark refereed in the Premier League for 14 years. Boys, what do you remember by that episode? And did you enjoy it? Yeah, um, I enjoyed him mentioning throughout his journey throughout all those years mainly and then he's talking about his uh, um, uh, clubs like Manchester Arsenal Liverpool everywhere he's like he's a um, uh, top referee referee and players 
here's a little segment from that episode. Were you ever told to treat players differently? For example, you are refereeing Ronaldo when he first came to the Premier League and he was known for diving and being a bit... Um, being a bit theatrical, would you be less likely to give him a penalty if he was tackled because you know he has the tendency to dive? Yeah. Um, as a referee, you referee what's in, in front of you. And refereeing at the top level is about managing the game, managing the players, communication, engaging with the players um, and getting them, you know, getting them to respect you. And, and be on your on your wavelength. And I always remember um, refereeing at Anfield, Liverpool, Man United. Um, and I always toss the coin, always take my coin to the fourth official on the halfway line. And, and Ronaldo was, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo was, happened to be standing uh, on, on the halfway line. So I, as I walked back past him, he, you know, we, 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 looked at each other and I just said to him don't you be going down easy today because you'll get absolutely nothing out of me today so I'm telling him I'm sort of using you know communication with him trying to make it you know managing the game managing the players and he looked at me and he smiled and in the five first five minutes of starting he's gone down easy and I and I've gone past I said what did I just say to you five minutes ago what have I just said to you and he looked at me, smiled, and he never done it again. And, you know, made it, you know, made it easy for me. So, you know, that's that's what you have to do. Yeah, it's about managing the players. Welcome back to the TWS Sports Podcast. We're now on episode eight, which is with former Australian rugby winning captain John Eels, who lifted the World Cup in 1999. And this was another really, really interesting episode. Tom, do you enjoy chatting to John? Yeah, I I enjoyed chatting him loads about about how he throughout his career during every year and um I liked the part where he was um, explaining about his progress throughout the years. Yes, so that Australian team had a was very successful in the early 90s. And then John talked to us about how kind of the middle late 90s was was a struggle and the team wasn't as successful as it was. But then 1998-1999 was obviously a very, very successful time for them where they won the World Cup and he was captain. Um, they lifted the trophy in the Millennium Stadium in Cardiff. Here's a little clip of our chat with John Eels. Yeah, I remember because the first World Cup ever was just four years before that in Australia and New Zealand. And you know, I remember watching that, but never believing. I was I was in my last year of school, never believing that I would be playing in the final or playing at all in the next World Cup, but then playing in a final against England at Twickenham. Um, it was so part of me, I was pinching myself all the time. And you know, you go through funny thoughts in your head at different stages of when you're an athlete, and not always the bravest thoughts or, or, or whatever. But I remember getting some notes from some of my mates who were in the pubs back in Australia watching the games at one o'clock in the morning. And uh, they were telling me how much fun they were having. And part of me almost wanted to be back there in the pubs watching the games, having the fun with them. Now, it was such a stupid thought because I was actually over there uh, having a lot of fun and, and loving it. But it's, you know, you, you go through these, you know, these different emotions through a tournament like that when you think you, 
you're close to losing against Ireland and then all of a sudden you beat them and and then you beat New Zealand in the semi-final and you're playing the home nation at their home ground at Twickenham in England. And and that was such a hard game. And I talked about how how I a couple of teammates relaxed me in that um, before my first test. In the final, I had a similar story. Like you're running out onto the field in the World Cup final. There's a lot going through your heads. And, and you've got... Yeah, we were kicking off, I think, after the national anthems. We had met the, uh, I think, the Queen. We had met the Queen, which was a very special moment. And then we're about to kick off, and I'm, I'm over near the sideline and getting ready to chase the ball. I've got the crowd basically, you know, this far away. I could reach out and touch the crowd, and they're singing Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. As we're about to do this, there's this wave of excitement. And there's a lot of thoughts go through your head. I remember looking across the field and seeing Nick Far Jones, my captain. And Nick was our, our halfback. And I looked across at him. He, he saw me at the same time and he just smiled. And he just had this lovely, relaxed smile on his face. And I thought, well, if he's relaxed, I should be relaxed as well. And it was just the perfect, the perfect action at, the, at, that, the, at that moment, which just enabled me to get into the moment to, to relax and throw myself into the game. Welcome back to the TWF Sports Podcast and now we're on to episode nine with former England clicker captain Nasser Hussein. After, do you remember chatting with Nasser? Did you enjoy it? Um, yes, I enjoyed it. And I like his uh, talk about his life story and then uh, he's a cricketer and um, that's it really. Yeah, so he talked to us about being captain of England and yeah. Nasser was... Um, an important part of England cricket. He moved us from quite a, a average cricket team yeah. into into a, a, a really really good Test cricket team, which is fantastic. Here's a little clip from our chat with NASA. The nineties and early two thousands was a period of dominance for Australia. What are your memories of the Ashes during your career, Tom? We were getting on so well until that question. <laughs> Yeah, listen, it, it was, they were, you know, with the West Indies side of, what, the 80s and 90s and before that, actually, um, you know, they would be the two greatest side. The Australian side I played against with Slater, Taylor, War, War, Gilchrist or Healy, Warren, McGrath, Lee, Gillespie, you know, their bowling attack and their batters, you know, Gilchrist coming in at seven and after all their batting lineup that they had, uh, the way they caught, the way they were led by either Border or Steve Waugh or Taylor, whoever you want to name, they were great captains. They were an awesome side. And I wouldn't, people say now, would you like to play now against Australia? No way. I was so lucky to play against that Australian side. I can tell you there was no bigger thrill than batting against someone like Shane Warne. You know, the, the blonde locks, the zinc on his face, the flared trousers, the sledging, the abuse he used to give you when you arrived at the crease. Um, you know, it was just with a massive crowd and the whole of the Barmy Army chanting Shane Warne songs. And, you know, yeah, we lost to him a lot. Um, you know, we lost a lot away from home. I think I lost the Ashes in 11 days against them, lads. We were, you know, and Ashes is supposed to go on 25 days. I managed to lose it as a captain in 11 days. So there were some real dark uh, moments, but... As I say, I was absolutely thrilled to play against that Australian side. They were an awesome side. 
Welcome back to the TWS Sports Podcast. And now we're talking about episode 10, which is with Salah Rugby Team. So we're joined by Matt and Philip, who are rugby players, and also Dom Einhorn, who's president of Salah Rugby. Tom, looking back on that podcast, did you enjoy speaking to three of them? Yeah, I, I enjoyed um, speaking to all three of them. And I also enjoyed speaking to Dom. And I enjoyed speaking to Dom because uh, about how he's been making changes to the overall club and his entrepreneurship. Yes. So again, it was a really interesting episode about a small rugby team in France who uh, have big ideas and are built into into a really, really big team. And here's a little clip from that episode. What were your thoughts when you arrived at Sala Rugby? Well, for me, it was my first time in France. I was very, very excited, you know, visiting a new country, new language. I don't, I can't speak French. I mean, I'm teaching it, learning it. But uh, yeah, I was very excited, especially with pandemic and Corona. It was just very nice to kind of change the environment from being in your home, in your city. So just a new challenge. So I loved it. For me, um, the project is a big project and I'd love to be involved with the project going forward. Um, also, the Sala is a beautiful city, a beautiful small village. Um, so I'm very attracted to everything that Sala has to offer. You boys should come and visit. Welcome back to the TWS Sports Podcast and on to episode 11, which is with former Premier League striker Matt Letizier. So Matt had a very long, successful career at Southampton and also played for England, as well as joining Sky Sports to be a pundit. Looking back on the episode after, did you enjoy speaking to Matt? Yeah, I like talking to Matt because he's a, a striker for, um, what's that? Southampton. Southampton and... He's good actually play. I saw him in different news, some like different countries, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so Matt had a very successful career. He scored 100 Premier League goals, which which is a, a, an amazing feat and doesn't happen, happen very often. Here's a little clip from my episode with Matt. You said in your autobiography that placed a bet on a match you were involved in. What was that and do you regret it now? Oh yeah, uh, I regret it hugely, and the reason I put it in my book was to was to try and warn any other footballers um, uh, to to not be quite so stupid, um, if I'm honest. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I didn't I didn't place the bet. Uh, it was other people that that had placed the bet, and um, it was uh, a spread betting thing back in the '90s where you could bet on the first when the first throw-in would happen in a game. Um, so you could bet that it could happen really quickly, or you could bet that it wouldn't happen until a bit later on. Um, and so one of my teammates had had some mates who were uh, who were going to bet on this particular game of Southampton that it was going to be a, a throw in really on really early on in the game. Um, and so the idea was that we would get the kickoff and kick the ball out of play straight away from the kickoff. Um, and uh, so it was it's kind of not kind of a match fixing situation if you, it's not affecting the. the the match if you like um but it was a, a situation where people could earn some money from it um and so i actually was the one that was meant to keep the ball out and, I, and you know it was probably fate it was probably my conscience telling me that this isn't the right thing to do but i didn't kick it hard enough to kick it out of play um and um and yeah it, it, it didn't transpire that anybody uh, won any money out of it um which uh, thankfully um i learned my lesson we didn't we didn't ever try that again 
Uh, and yes, it was. It was. It was a stupid thing that I regret now looking back. But at the time, I thought it was just a bit of a laugh. Um, and yeah, I didn't really realise the serious implications of it. Welcome back to the TWS Sports Podcast, and we're nearly towards the end now. We're on episode twelve, which is with former England cricketer and captain Michael Atherton. So Michael chatted to us again about his career and all the things on and off the pitch and the challenges and the successes of being captain. Tom, looking back at that episode, did you enjoy chatting with Michael? Yeah, um, I I enjoyed the episode very well, and I I understood on how on how much of a good captain he was and how he how he manages the team really well. Yeah, and again, here's a little clip from our chat with Michael Aston. You must have seen lots of pranks and jokes during your time as an England player. Who were the best at playing pranks and what was the best prank? So we had some good lads in the team. Darren Goff was great fun and Phil Toffinell and, and, and lots of players who were great fun to play with. Um, uh, uh, the best prank... Uh, you had you had David Lloyd on, didn't you, last week or a couple of weeks yeah. ago or something? Yeah. We've had him on, yeah. Uh, he was our coach and we played the last game of the season for Lancashire. We... We we played a prank on him by cutting off all the buttons on his shirt, um, putting holes in his socks, holes in his pockets. So when the, the last ball of the season was done and we all got to come to get changed in the dressing room, he started to get changed and suddenly realised as he tried to do his shirt button up, one button fell off, then the next button fell off. And then he put all his buttons in his pockets and they fell through his trousers and hit the floor <laughs> So um, that caused a bit of hilarity, although he wasn't that happy, I have to say, at the end, and he was the coach of the team. Um, but we, we had a lot of fun down the years. Welcome back to the TWS Sports Podcast and on to episode 13, which is with former Cardiff City and Wolves and Arsenal striker Jay Bothwood. So Jay, again, had a very long and good career in England and now moving out into Asia where he's playing in Japan. After, do you remember chatting to Jay and what was what do you enjoy talking about? And my favorite Jay is talk about he's like different clubs. He's playing like um, Arsenal, Wolves, everything like that. And then he talk about um, his uh, life story about something like that. Yeah. So again, here's a little clip from our chat with Jay. Them, them derby, like I said, them derby games were like. Straight away, when the, when the fixtures come out at the beginning of the season, the, the, the only game you're looking at is the Swansea game. Where When are we playing Swansea? And it was... Because they were, they were, to be fair, they was a really good team. Um, they had a lot of good players. They played, um, you know, total football as well. They had some good managers like Martinez. They had Brendan Rodgers. Um, but obviously, we had a strong team as well. So... It was kind of bragging rights almost in 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 when you played against them, and you know we had some games. You know they beat us. Uh, I think they beat us once. We beat them once, and we drawed a few games. Um, but they, it was always really. I mean, going to Liberty Stadium. I, I, I to be honest, I enjoyed that more because there was just it was just more fiery. There was more kind of abuse coming your way, and for me, I liked that. I thrived off that. Um, but obviously. Both games, home and away, they were, they were amazing games. And, you know, there was always tight games. But, yeah, the, I'll never forget those those derbies. They were amazing. 
Welcome back to the TWS Sports Podcast and two more episodes to go in this season. Our penultimate episode is with former Australian cricket captain Steve Waugh. Now, Steve Waugh is one of the greatest Australian batsmen of, of all time, so it's quite an honour to speak to him. Tom, do you want to chat with Steve and, and what are your thoughts on that episode? Well, um, I liked how he pursued being the cricket captain and um, I, I still believe the statement that he was the best cricketer there. Yeah, and here's a little clip of our chat with Steve. You won the World Cup for a second time in 1999. I want to ask you about two moments from that World Cup. Gibbs dropping you on the way to scoring a 100 and the semi-final against South Africa. Can you tell us about those moments, please? <laughs> yeah, I, um, yeah, the Herschel-Gibbs catch was, was a crucial moment in the match and um, I think we needed 270 runs to win to make it to the semi-final and I came in at three for 49, I think, and we were going okay and the match was sort of in the balance and I hit a ball towards mid-wicket where Herschel Gibbs was fielding. He was a brilliant fieldsman and um, he caught it, but then he tried to celebrate too quickly and dropped the ball. So that was one of those moments where he got a bit excited in the heat of the moment and dropped the catch and we went on to win the match. So it's something that, that turned the game around. It was um, a crucial moment and one that, I think he probably regrets and it was lucky for me that he celebrated too early and, and dropped the catch. Um, and then we got to the semi-final and played that amazing game where we actually ended up in a tie with South Africa that we got through to the, the World Cup final on, on a countback. So again, things went our way. Um, it was one of the great games of one-day cricket and a lot of people remember that as you know, probably the greatest one-day game ever played. So there were two amazing games within the space of four days um, against two very competitive sides who played a similar style of cricket, but um, we just had that little bit, of, little bit of luck that we needed to make it through the World Cup final. Welcome back to TWS Sports Podcast and our final episode of season two was with former eight-time champion jockey, Peter Scudamore. So Peter again had a very successful career horse racing. After, do you enjoy chatting Peter? Yeah, I enjoy um, Peter because he's a horse rider and then I like I like he's doing like about his lifetime and he's like 10 times something jockey. Yeah, so eight time champion oh, jockey, eight, isn't it? Which yeah, I think is the times. second yeah. in second most in history behind um, Tony McCoy, which is quite an achievement. Mm. And here's a little clip from our episode with Peter. Lots of people do not like horse racing and see it as cruel to, cruel to the horse. Lots of horses are killed taking part in this sport. What would you say to those people and what is your opinion? Right. I thoroughly respect their opinion. It is cruel. Life's cruel. I would say horse racing saves more horses than it kills. If a horse is in the field, if a horse is in the wild, gets injured, not now, but in the wild, wherever they were, think the lion comes and eats them, right? Yeah. <laughs> if it's hurt now, the, the, the biggest moral question that I have, especially now with COVID about, if I've got an illness, or you or you're somebody getting ill, how long does it take to see a doctor? Um, a while. A while, a few days. You know, if my horse is injured, my horse has got a cut, a, a thing, I will have a vet in the yard within half an hour. You know, so the moral questions for me 
about horse racing is the amount of money spent in gambling, the amount of money spent on buying the horses when it could be put into housing and millions of other things to keep things going. But the the third moral question to it is the horse is better looked after than most humans. And that is a thing we have to look at. So, of course, horses die, you know, and and, and they you, you will either, you know, cut down the breeding of them and then they'll die in the field. Because you know, the reality of life is, you know, the farmer has a sheep, right? Yeah. I don't know what a sheep's worth. It's, it's worth 15 quid. So if it's going to, if it's ill and it costs 55 quid to get it better, the farmer ain't going to pay that. It's just a reality of life. He would go broke if he did that. So if my horse, my horse is worth so much money that I pay a fortune for the, and I love the stupid thing, which is also stupid. I pay a fortune to have it looked after the same as your dogs. I don't know if you keep cats and dogs, your mums and dads and stuff. You know, they love the dog. They pay hundreds of pounds to, to get the thing meant. So, you know, I, as I say, go back. I understand when people are, come from yeah it's cruel it's hard life's cruel and hard let's let's look at the reality of it though i think it saves more horses than it does um kill them welcome back to tws sports podcast and we've chatted through all 15 episodes of season two and it's been amazing to chat with so many different sports men and women and get their insights into what happens on the pitch and off the pitch and chat about their career and what's happened post career Boys, have you enjoyed the podcast overall? Yes. Yeah, I think um, season two has like has has been almost just as exciting as one because I think they both had their best moments. Yeah, definitely. I can see, boys, from season one and now season two, your confidence, your skill level, your research, your questioning is improving episode by episode. Would you agree? Yeah, I just, I'd, I'd, I'd do agree, agree on that. I do agree. Right, we just want to say a massive thank you to everyone who listens to our podcast. We really, really do appreciate all your support, all your feedback you give us, all your kind messages, your, your reviews, your ratings. We really, really do appreciate it. And as we move into season three, which will start middle of January, we'd want you to please continue to listen. Please pass on our podcast to your friends and family, share it on social media. And um, we really want to help spread our message and show and show the country and the world what amazing amazing students we have here at our school and even though they may be autistic it doesn't hold them back from being doing anything they want to in life and so yeah please continue to spread our podcast far and wide but we've got a final message for our listeners mm-hmm. um make sure to carry on listening to our podcast please and share with friends and family and um keep your hypes up for season three coming soon yeah Agree because um, um, subscribe, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Straight to the point after. So, thank you so much to everyone for listening. And everyone at the TWS Sports Podcast team would like to wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy and safe New Year. Yeah. I wish that to all of you. Bye. See ya. I hope you've kept listening to the whole of this episode because we're about to release a tiny little segment of our episode of Season 3, Episode 1, which we've just recorded with Sir Clive Woodward. Now, Sir Clive Woodward was coach of England when they won the Rugby World Cup in 2003, beating Australia 2017 with a last-minute drop goal from Johnny Wilkinson in extra time. So he'll be kicking off our Season 3 
So this is a fantastic episode and a really, really in-depth episode about his career, but mainly focusing on that Rugby World Cup. What made that team so great? What made him as a manager and coach so great? So here's a little snippet from that episode. And thank you so much for listening. And we will see you back in the middle of January for season three, where we kick off with Sir Clive Woodward. Have a lovely Christmas and a happy new year. In the last minute of injury time, John Wilkinson in 25 yards out in front of the post with the scores tied at 17-17. How much courage did it take for Johnny to score that drop goal? And what are your memories of watching it go over the posts? I'm not sure courage is the right word, Tom. It, it was just sheer professionalism. Johnny Wilkinson is you know, my number one player as an example of hard work and training. Johnny practices, not in, his, not in his kicking, every part of his game. He is the ultimate professional. So Johnny Wilkinson practices kicking at goal, but also drop goals all the time. Literally at times, we've got to drag him off the pitch. He just, he's the hardest trainer, the hardest worker. So, you know, we knew on that moment in time, one minute to go, we're going to put, we're going to do a drop goal. But it's the, the whole team is involved, not just Johnny. So the whole team has got to set the move up to put him in position to win it and just see what he's doing. We all know it's happening. We've, we've done this for years and years and years. We've walked around restaurants, walking through what we do, what every player does. And as I said before, I said before, but if everyone just does their job properly, just needs one player not to do their job properly in this moment of time. We give away penalty to Australia. We lose the World Cup, literally. So in that moment of time, everyone's got to do their job properly in order to set the position up for Johnny to drop the goal. But when he's in position, I'm on the touchline now. I've actually come down on the touchline. And I'm just literally, I won't say I'm smiling, but in, in, in his side, I'm going, we're going to do this. If there's one person in the world you want in this position, it's not the courage. It's just, you know, he's putting so much hard work. This is his moment. This will justify every ounce of effort he's done over the last, you know, since he's been a tiny boy to, 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 to win this thing. And he, he got the drop goal on his wrong foot. It wasn't his strongest foot, his right foot, but he practiced on both feet. He kicks stronger on his left, but he came to his right foot. And I just said, he's, he's, he's not going to miss this. And he, he didn't, he just put it straight through the middle of the pitch. And it was, it was, you know, it is courageous. You got to have a lot of, but you know, you got to be courageous to be on the pitch in the first place. But this was just a real, to me, to me it was, it was just a complete endorsement of, you know, when you say to any, anybody, you've got to work hard. If you want to be successful, you've got to work hard. And he'd be the number one person in the whole world. There's no one else I'd rather have in that position. I'm just so glad he's English, wearing a white shirt. And he wasn't an Australian guy. He's the one guy I'd want there to do it. And he deserved it. Then he deserves all the accolade, all the pats on the back, because it's not luck. It's not just because he's talented. Uh, it's because of how hard he works at it. And he's worked so, so hard. And for him to actually deliver that final kick was just everything he deserved. And it was just... It just Amazing to be part of it, and also amazing to be his coach, where you see what how hard he works behind the behind the scenes, and how totally committed he is to actually being the best in the world. The TWS Sports Podcast combines autism and sport. This unique podcast is hosted by children with autism, and each week they interview famous sportsmen and women from around the world. The TWS Sports Podcast takes you deep into the sports star's career, their highs and lows, what happens away from the field of play, and so much more. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other podcast apps. 
the TWS Sports Podcast, where autism and sports combine. Sports Social Podcast Network.